0: But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota
1: opened up a lot of doors for us.
0: Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids.
2: See what makes Minnesota the star of the north. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.
0: You're listening to DraftKings Network. It's a beautiful What's up everybody welcome to gojo with mike golick jr that is me with me as always super producer brandon newman and my father mike golick senior who literally almost missed the beginning of the show because he was dialed into early morning u.s open coverage good lord dad get it together
2: <clears throat> so i'm watching that you know and, and i'm and i'm like why is it on isn't it on yet and i forgot it's out in in your neck of the woods which i know you'll be at later so I, the six forty-five was the first tee off time which is 9 45 out here 15 minutes before we start this show and i find i found it on peacock and i was watching the first group and all of a sudden your mother was like Isn't your show starting pretty soon and i was like oh god yeah it it is i i almost missed the beginning of this but i, I i'm wondering and let me ask you so i'm watching the first group hit and the first group are basically young guys first appearances one guy was on the Corn Ferry tour; it was his first appearance. Another guy is a junior at UCLA; his first appearance in the U.S. Open. Now, granted, they're not hitting in front of a lot of people just yet, but it's their first U.S. Open, and so I'm saying take a take a weekend hacker, and I'm and I'm not talking about your 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 uh, country club champs, you know, who probably all think they can go out, you know, and compete in this, take someone who's a double digit handicap, 10 or over, like my index is like a 13 and go on the first tee of the U.S. Open and you're going to play it for real. What, what are the odds? Forget the round. Cause the round we would get destroyed, get destroyed. I'm just talking about the first tee shot of you going to the U.S. Open with an over a 10 handicap and you're, you're a, you're a weekend hacker would you how many of the if you had 10 people hit how many would actually hit the fairway
0: i feel like there's a couple that might muster it up just out of sheer dumb luck because so much of our golf swing is out of our control anyway like what you described is absolutely me as a golfer and more often than not i can get the ball up in the air i can get it close to out and play but it's hardly ever going to go where i want so i feel like maybe you get two or three out of 10 that would do that but Just the sheer nerves of the moment. I mean, hell, I can remember like the first snaps that I took in NFL training camp trying to make a team in a sport that I actually had played and worked my whole life in. And I was nervous as hell and I had a ton of adrenaline going. So a sport, and I've always said this. My thing with golf and the thing I constantly have to remind myself when I go out there and play, because I do not play often enough to expect to be better than I am. And I know the amount of time, effort, reps, and work it took to be a slightly above average football player relative to the spectrum of people that are going to play at a high level and i have put nowhere near that amount of work into golf to ex- to expect any other result would fly in the face of everything i know about competitive sports so i would say probably 30% might be able to get it in play
2: so that'd be about three people so let me ask you this if you were on that first tee and you your your ball is a is a slice and you can play it yes. pretty well at times and some and sometimes it goes straight would you line up and play a slice, which basically would mean you were aiming at people? Would would you play your slice or would you try and play it straight down the middle?
0: I, I would set up my shot with the lowest probability of killing someone. Because if we're inputting an actual gallery, and you mentioned it, it's early... L.A. Country Club hasn't filled up yet, so I doubt there's a ton of people around those spots. But if I'm hitting with a gallery, oh, no, no, the only goal is to not kill someone. I don't care about putting it in play. I don't care about where it lands, what the hole's going to look like. I just don't want to plant my ball with a logo inside someone's temple. That's my only goal. Because, Dad, you've played a bunch of these pro-ams. You've hit in places that could, in theory, have this. Have you had to hit around a gallery before?
2: Yeah. I played in the Houston Open a couple of times, and – One time I played with Gary Woodland and watching pros hit, you're playing with the pros on the, it's their golf shot sounds like a cannon shot, but yes, the first hole of that has people lined up on it. They announce your name and everything and and scared to death. And luckily I've put it, I put it in play. I'm not going to say I, I put it straight, straight down the middle, but I didn't hit anybody. It is, it's nerve wracking when there is people there. Now that that's a real event. Like when I would play Monday after the master's, There's a lot of people there, but you know, that's a charity event. We're hammered when we're playing and it's just, it is what it is. If you get hit by a ball, you know, it's your own fault. You're too close to me. I'm, I want, because we work for DraftKings. I would like to be part of the DraftKings sports book for one shot. When I go play this Tahoe event in July, I'm going to be nervous as hell. I'm out practicing for it. You know, I, I just, just, the amount of people that are out there, the amount of stars that are out there, and how nervous I'm going to be. I would like odds on my first tee shot being in the, in the fairway. That's all I want. Not my round, because my round will, will will probably stink. I just want to be in the DK Sportsbook. Mike Golick, first tee shot in the fairway. What what are the odds? What am I at? Plus what? You know, plus 1,000, plus 500, plus 10,000. I, I, I'd like to have the odds for that.
0: All right, you know what? We've spoken that into existence early enough here, so cut that. Send it to the sportsbook people. Tell them to get on it right now. They've got some time. That's not till July, the American Century Classic. So we've got the time and resources to do this, and we need to give people the opportunity to make money potentially on either your success or failure. You undersell it. I, I think the the one of one of the things that like the rest of our family marvels at is that you're a little bit too good at everything naturally, and in these situations, I actually think you're going to be a lot calmer than you give credit for here we will see it would be the first time in my life I've seen you rattle in an athletic field and so we'll see if we can get odds on that for people but uh, in the meantime we got a great show for y'all as always download subscribe rate review leave us that five star rating check us out on DraftKings YouTube and DraftKingsNetwork.com Monday through Friday 10 to 11 Eastern Stephen Shock former Virginia pitcher is going to join us for this show and dad I hope you feel downright terrible. Terrible about this because he was a pitcher in the 2021 College World Series. He went viral for an interview clip that we're going to play for you guys that resurfaced this week as the College World Series getting set to get started in Omaha on Friday. And he comes in. He's doing a great podcast now called The Shock Factor. He's going out to Omaha to cover it and he shares some great stories with us. And I get on to record the interview with him. You couldn't make it because you were doing something else. And the first thing he says is, oh man, it's such an honor. I used to get up every morning and drive to school and i'd be listening to mike and mike in the background and i thought well this is awkward because i wasn't on that show and you didn't feel like showing up to make his day so i hope you're happy with yourself
2: so just i i feel i have to say that i'm i'm on the board for usa football and we had a one of our quarterly well listen i have to explain myself it's not like oh i had to take out the trash so i decided to do it right at the time of this interview and i blew the guy off Okay. I'm on the board, USA Football. We had one of our quarterly calls that day and it went for like three hours and it went during the time you were taping that interview. So I couldn't make it. I, I'm just, I'm not saying that to boast. I'm saying that it was a legitimate reason to miss this interview. And I feel bad once you told me that the guy listened to, to Mike and Mike. What was he for when he listened to Mike and Mike? That's what I hear from everybody. Oh, man, I was in grade school listening to you. Now I'm 40 and have three kids, you old man. Uh, But I do – I feel bad. I feel bad, but it was
0: unavoidable. You should, and you'll hear the emotion, the quiver in his voice when he describes that feeling and the fact that you're not there – it's a real daddy-wasn't-there moment. So it's also great we talk about his experience at the College World Series, incredible fan interactions that are the hallmark of the entire experience for the players and fans alike, and, of course, the Jell-O shots, Dad. As you've seen over the last couple of years, Rocco's across the street. Does the Jell-O shot eating – or, I guess, eating-consuming? I guess it's kind of a mix between eating and drinking, gelatinous uh, competition among the fan bases there. Uh, we talk a little bit about who we expect to maybe take the crown this year since Ole Miss has become the standard bearer for that uh, down in Omaha. So overall, really great scene there. We do have some football to talk today, Dad. Uh, Apparently that Buffalo Bills situation, not nearly as interesting as we build it pun intended, uh, since Stefan Diggs is at was at mandatory minicamp yesterday and will be there for the remainder of the week, uh, my whole question with this is, what was Sean McDermott doing getting to the microphone and talking about being very concerned? Because now we're not going to be able to ignore this specter looming in the background as we got footage of Diggs yesterday doing fun handshakes with Josh Allen. It seems like something that Sean McDermott could have downplayed and chose not to for some reason
2: yeah i mean that's when he could have taken the bill belichick approach uh you know we'll see what happens at practice today we'll only practice with the guys who are there and uh he he really felt the need to go down the rabbit hole of how concerned he was and then really explain after that hey he showed up on that tuesday but i was the one that told him to go home you know it's not like he just no showed He, he yeah he did more talking than was probably necessary and 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 we always say that's what the media or the public wants. They'd love to hear explanations. But as I've always said, players and coaches, when they're in these pressers, don't owe you anything to that. They owe their team, their their fellow players, or their coaches, or the coaches and the players together. That's it. That's all that needs to be worried about. They don't owe the public or the media anything there. And Sean went into a a little much there. And is it all resolved? Listen, either way he was going to play this year It was just if there was going to be drama. And this seems to be more off the field stuff than on the field stuff. Cause as I mentioned yesterday, he's basically top two to five in every category uh, you know, of, of a wide receiver. Um, but still you could see a wide receiver still not getting mad if they don't even get the ball more. I get it a lot, but I wanted a lot more. Uh, but it seems there was more to this and Sean, yeah, spoke maybe a little too much about this. Let's hope it's in the rearview mirror because this is still a team, you know, that that's going to be vying to get out of the AFC as the top top contender.
0: Yeah, when we do division previews, this will be a fun one and even more now with this little bit of zest sprinkled over the top. But if we're going to have a conversation about words said during minicamp that actually matter, I think it's interesting now to shift gears and look at the running back situation because we've seen more than a few guys come out and speak up on the state of running back contracts being doled out across the National Football League. And remember to check out Jaegermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jaegermeister LaCour, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Dan, I know we've had some version of this running backs matter conversation for a few years now since football's become more of a passing game and analytics have inundated the sport and all these different factors that came to a spot where the position doesn't really seem to have the clout that it used to have here. But it's been interesting this off season because we've heard a lot more from the guys involved on the situation between Saquon Barkley right now still holding out, not signing his franchise tender as they try and work out a long-term deal, saying that he doesn't want to be a market setter, doesn't want to be the highest paid, but is concerned that he's not going to be paid what he has done for and what he represents to this team. You've got Dalvin Cook who got released by Minnesota who's saying he's not going to get pressed. He's going to wait for the right opportunity and the right deal. And on and on down the list, we've seen David Montgomery not signing for as much as he's gone to the Lions for $18 million over three years. Miles Sanders coming off a great 2022 season, only earning about $6.35 million per year in his contract with the Panthers. So, Dad, do you see any sign of this slowing even in a league right now that we saw last year start running the ball more than we'd seen in a while?
2: Yeah, I, I listen, I don't. The, the market's been kind of set for the running back position. And I, I guess right along the lines of the big talk was with Lamar Jackson and then the next quarterbacks coming down like Burrow and Herbert, is somebody going to get a full time, fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson did? Is that going to be the new trend? And the only way that was going to happen, because teams didn't want to pay it, was if a quarterback was willing to sit to I'm literally just sit out and wait for this and we're not going to find a quarterback that's willing to do that. Lamar Jackson didn't do it. I don't think is going to do it and Herbert said he's reporting even while the it, uh, you know, negotiations are going around. I don't think he's going to do it. So it's going to take a running back, again, in a different vein here, to say I'm going to hold out for a bigger deal. Le'Veon Bell, remember uh, when, when he sat the entire year and that completely derailed his career, right? I mean, he was
0: never the same. Never the same. It did, I mean, it did get him, it did get him the deal. Now, I don't know how much I... It did get him the deal, right. I, yeah, I got to say, he ended up getting that big-time deal with the Jets when he got there and actually played for the Jets. Didn't have the best time. Ended up getting released, I think, four games or five games into his second season in New York, but made a bunch of money there with them. But is emblematic of the problem that's come up for a lot of teams is they've got all these cautionary tales of what's happened, the Ezekiel Elliott contract. Even the Carolina Panthers, when they signed Christian McCaffrey after that, missed a whole bunch of games. They end up dealing him in the middle of the season. Season to 49ers it feels like so many of those moments stacked up in the back of heads of nfl teams dad so you look
2: at quarterback or you look at running back you know saquon barkley's one we talk about now um he's only he's had two full seasons of his what four or five right he's missed a lot of time um you have him you have josh jacobs remember the raiders didn't offer him or, or didn't give him the fifth year option right mm-hmm. and he kind of bet on himself and had a monster year Tony Pollard. So those guys on the franchise tag, and remember, and again, for the technicality there or the technical part of that, they have until July 17th, anybody who's franchise tagged, to get a, a long-term deal. If after July 17th hits all and it's not done – all they can play for is that franchise tag. Now, when I say all they can play for, that's $10 million guaranteed to them, but they can't sign a long-term deal. So that that's kind of the deadline, and we'll see if deadline spurs action, uh, which we see a lot of times. Now, remember, Saquon did turn down a deal that was worth, what, about 13 mil a year, uh, maybe 14 mil with incentives, which would have been double, you know, basically well, what...
0: And his and his beef with that was there was no mention of the guarantees in there. He thinks that leak was to try and make him look greedy, which is what we tend to see in a lot of these public negotiations. But yeah, that was, and reportedly that deal's back on the table now. But again, we don't know what the guarantee structure looks like, yada, yada, yada.
2: So, and, and again, it's a $10 million guarantee with the tag this year. If a running back got tagged next year, it would be about $12 million. So... That's what guys are looking at in these deals that they got tagged for two years would be 22 million guaranteed. They want to be paid more than that. And and listen, I am always one. I want every player to get as much as they possibly can. Unfortunately for the running backs, the market is where the market is. And there is not going to be a team that's going to just go flying over that market. They're just they're, they're not going to be the precedent center for the next group coming through we had two running backs taken in the top 12 this year in Robinson and Gibbs uh so you know that's that's a few years down the road but nobody wants to set the next the next precedent for how much they're going to make so unfortunately the running back position has really been devalued and i get running backs being mad about it i i would be too i mean miles sanders you mentioned had almost 1300 yards rushing 11 rushing touchdowns and is making what six mil a year? I mean, compared to the other positions, that that's basically nothing. So I, I don't know how it's going to change, Mike. And all you have Jonathan Taylor, you know, obviously, you know, coming up as well in a bit. I don't know how that's going to change. I think incrementally. I mean, it's a nice jump. If Saquon, if the guarantees were more what he wanted, and it was more than a thirteen mil a year guaranteed range, you'd like the guarantee to be more than what the tag was. You know, for the for the year, I I mean, that that's something that 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 I'm sure they want to be pushing for, but it's going to take some work for these running backs and maybe maybe saying, you know what, I'm withholding because that's the only leverage really a player has. I'm withholding my services. And then does the team, you know, cave that who blinks first?
0: Yeah, I mean, Saquon's a guy that I think could really rattle the cage if he was one who decided, I'm going to sit down for a portion of the season, because to me, running back conversations always have to do with where you're at as a team, and for this Giants team, you were a predominantly rushing team last year as you've weaned Daniel Jones along into Brian Daybol's system, and I'm sure the thought in year two is you want even more of the guy that you just signed to that deal, but it's still a team that needs that bedrock there. Jonathan Taylor, the Colts, the same thing. Dad, you mentioned the draft picks. I think part of it is also injury and then the kind of talent at the position because usually it's been the Christian McCaffreys of the world, the Ezekiel Elliott's of the world that came in with all that fanfare and lived up to it. It feels like the next guy because Saquon injury became a part of the conversation too quickly maybe for the Giants to feel comfortable the next one up seems to be this draft class and the guys at the top and can a generational talent like B. John Robinson shoulder the load.
2: But real quick uh, to your point about Saquon, he may have the best leverage there. The Giants are one of two teams that in the last three years have, have not had a 900-yard receiver. So they are not, they are not throwing the ball around the deck, and it's not really been happening with Daniel Jones. So he may have
0: some pretty good leverage there of like, you guys need me. Exactly, and we'll see if that's able to affect this as we near July 17. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boost, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat,
1: But as long as you got your twenty six guys ready to kick ass or kick butt. Um, you're gonna be alright. Sorry I sweared. I shouldn't have No, sweared. you're good. I heard a fan offer free dipping dots if I blew it, which the price of dipping dots with inflation is just unreal. So for a brief moment I was like, damn, dipping dots sound good. But also I thought in the back of my head we win today, we win tomorrow or tonight. We're going to be here another day, that's more per diem. So that means I can buy my own Dippin' Dots and be a winner. I think three words every time I'm out there, the first one's a swear word, starts with F. Um, Second word's attack, third one's win. I don't really get too caught up in all the jibber jabber and all the mean things people might say to me, because it's just, you know, I think I'm a cool guy. My dogs think I'm awesome. My teammates like me and my friends like me. So I'm going to attack, I'm going to (laughs) win. Simple.
0: Alright, this one is very exciting. A guy who, if you didn't know before, you just got to know again uh, in a new and exciting way as we get ready for the Men's College World Series to get going. Steven Shock here, former University of Virginia pitcher, a uh, guy who you can also check out right now. The Shock Factor podcast covering college baseball as he gets set to head to Omaha for the College World Series. Uh, Steven, how you doing, man? This has been a long time coming.
1: I've been, I've been good. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I drove every day to baseball practice. I would listen to your dad's show. So this is like an honor. Um, (laughs) so thank you very much for having me. My answer is I was good. Now I'm great. Um, this is awesome. I'm happy to be here. Don't know why I got reintroduced to the world, but Hey, I'm here and they did it. So might as well enjoy it. You know, we're here, laugh along, have some fun. (laughs)
0: <laughs> the, the it you're referring to, by the way. So if anyone missed it the other day, uh, you were in the College World Series back in 2021, and there was a great in-game interview that went on with you and the broadcast crew, where you talked about a number of things: your strategy and approach on the mound, the ever-rising price of Dippin' Dots, all these things <laughs> that made you a fan favorite then. And for some reason, I forget if it was the ACC Network or ESPN threw it back out there. So, first off, let's go to that. What was the day like for you as this was hitting the internet, and some people thought it was new, some people remembered the run from 2021. What was your phone action like that day it
1: it was just so strange because like obviously i tweet a lot about college baseball because it's like my calling it's what i'm supposed to do with my life i think so usually there's a typical typically notifications flow in because i don't know how to turn twitter notifications off on my phone um so like the notifications were still coming in but i got a lot of texts saying hey good luck in omaha and i was like or not text, but direct messages. And I was like, what's going on? I was like, thanks, but it's just, I'm just interviewing people. Like I, I know how to do that. And by now I think like, I do appreciate looking out. Cause sometimes I do talk and I ramble and it's not great. Um, so I appreciate the good luck and I hope that comes out, but it, it's definitely confusing. I think the ACC network put it out first at like six fifteen, And, um, I saw someone like the first notification I saw for it was so and so like the tweet you're mentioned in. So I clicked it and I saw it was the interview and I was like, oh wow, someone is like deep in the ACC network Twitter going back. And then I looked at the timestamp. I was like, wait a minute. Okay. Um, no context as to me not playing or anything like that. But, hey, I'll ride it out. I'll relive the glory days because, you know, I, I see the video and it just instantly sends me back to all the memories I made along that trip and along the way. And, you know, the first thing I think about even is Brandon Neek for UVA striking out 16 guys the next game in relief. It, like, And then I just relive all those big moments. And, you know, I, I get happy whenever I see it again because it just it, – it's like a time machine to the past for me.
0: <laughs> no, like you said, it, it, and I think for so many of us, once you're done playing, that is what you have to lean on. It's the memories. It's the teammates that you talk about there. For people that have never been to Omaha for the College World Series or have never experienced this run and won't as a player, what was that like for you? What is the feeling and the energy around this particular environment in college sports? Mm-hmm.
1: There's truly nothing like it in the sense that, you know, a lot of people know baseball takes a long time. Um, the games aren't over. There's there's no like set time limit or time frame. They're working on that, but it's not it's not going to happen. So, with omaha what makes it special is the fact that the games are so long is there's going to be players from other teams there coaches from other teams they're just walking around amongst the people and that's what really like stood out to me as a player was just the fan interaction and engagement it was awesome first of all like just to see it and like be a part of it but going back as a media member and like seeing that It's like that for every player. Like they go out, they have the same, the same experience of like, wow, this is one of the few times in my life where like everywhere I go, people are going to be excited to see me and talk to me. I got to soak it all in because, you know, a lot of people play professional sports, but a lot of college athletes, the NCAA commercials will remind you they go pro in something other than sports, which you know, side note, trying to get on that commercial. I don't know how to, but I would love to. Um, <laughs> but, like, could you imagine just like Stephen Shock, Mike Gulick? Uh, you just people um professional livers Um, (laughs) we don't know but it so like being able to go out and interact in an environment where people truly care and like remember meeting you and being able to have that impact on people so cool and so that's my favorite part of the whole omaha experience is just how accessible the players are
0: did you have like a favorite member? I know you mentioned a couple of them from there, but is there one thing, especially that fan interaction around town that stuck out to you?
1: Oh man. There was one woman in South Carolina who uh she just heckled me like crazy all game. And then like just really rough stuff. And like I'm I'm a gentleman, I'm nice to pretty much everybody, you know. So I'm like, I'm the type of person you could like John Mulaney says, you could spill soup in my lap. And I'd say, thank you. Like that's kind of just how I am. <laughs> um, and so after the game, it was the game. We beat South Carolina. Ironically, after the game, she tossed down a ball and was like, if I get you a pen, will you, will you sign this ball? And I was like, Yeah, sure. And she was like, you are just such a good sport and you have some of the best hair. And so I wrote on it. I just, I took the ball. Wild turn of emotions. My emotions are already high because I just, like our team just won. We were getting another game and. She tosses down the ball and I just write, go F yourself dash Steven shock and toss it back up. And she loved it. Like there's, you know how, like with some people you can tell, like, okay, this person, like they're weird, but they get it. You know, it was one of those situations. I was like, this is a risk. I could look really mean, but I hope like when like i was nervous when the ball was traveling back up i was like this is a big risk this is big but she t- <laughs> she loved it so i i've never seen a picture of the ball back i feel like it would be on twitter at some point if she didn't throw it away but i feel like it might have gotten tossed but it was so much fun like that memory really stands out like fan interaction wise for oh sure my just God. just like the banter back and forth cuz the healthy banter is one of the best things in sports like don't be the person just screaming curse words and like not adding logical thought to it. Like I was getting called things like making fun of my majors, like things like that, like really getting deep. And it's like, like someone was like, what are you going to do with that? That major I'm like, I don't know. I remember saying, I don't know. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs> like I said, go- If you have any help, here's the like link to my LinkedIn profile. <laughs> yeah. I would love to connect with you in a professional setting.
1: Yeah, it's like, who do you know in higher education, and can you hook me up? (laughs) 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 Trying to go pro in things other than sports, you know?
0: Wait, so you mentioned higher education there, so you go through all of that, you have the viral moment, everyone sees you're this great personality, now you're covering the sport. Was that the turn for you? Was that the moment where you're like, you know what, if I could talk about this, I'd love to try and do it?
1: Yeah, because, you know, going into college baseball, I went in with three goals. My first goal was to you know, get an education. My brain couldn't have gotten me. I could not have gotten into UVA most likely. Um, you know, I got charisma, but that only gets you so far. <laughs> uh, and then the next goal was to build a platform where college, where I could just kind of talk about baseball for a living. Now, granted, I thought to do this, I would have to play professionally for a long time and like prove that I'm an entertaining guy. I also didn't think this would actually like come true like sometimes you set high goals and like it's just like you know it would be really really cool to hit this goal but if not that's okay and so i just got lucky where that one kind of just fell into place from the support of all the amazing people on the internet that were nice to me. Now,
0: to get to go back, like you said, full circle and going to Omaha and getting to cover this now for a couple of times here, I do want to ask you about one of the other portions of going to Omaha that's gone viral like you have in recent <laughs> years, and that's the Jello shot situation over at Rocco's. Now, have you sampled that since you stopped playing in college? I'm assuming you guys as players aren't going over there and checking out the leaderboard.
1: Yeah, no. As a player, you don't really get you don't really get the freedom because again, while Pete, it is awesome that fans recognize you and want to talk to you, sometimes you want to do stuff that you know you'd rather not be seen doing. Um, <laughs> but no, I haven't tried them as a player. I have tried them as a media member, and let me tell you, it's it's all about getting the number on the board. I I don't think the Jello shot was a, a good sell. Um, it did not sell itself. So, so that I mean it to say it was a warm, goopy mess. And but I had fun taking it because I was supporting Stanford baseball. I think I was like their 250th on like <laughs> one of the last weeks there. They they didn't buy a lot of gel shots. The Stanford Cardinal did not.
0: How did you end up with the Stanford crew there buying jelly um, shots for them? So,
1: they they just had the board, and I saw their number were, was a little low. So, it was in the middle of – I can't remember what game it was. It was I think it might have been Texas A&M and someone. It was a blowout, though. And so, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to walk over there real quick, see what it's like over there. And so, I walked over, and there are just a ton of, like, Arkansas, yeah, Arkansas fans and – tons of Mississippi fans and I was like, you know what? Stanford needs some help on this one. Let's let's throw them a bone. They are they're without a doubt, <laughs> some of the chillest people I've ever met. And like the whole Stanford team, I just really like them. I, I'm not entirely sure why. Um, but something about them, just like every time I'm around them, every time I've interacted with them, I've left happier than I was before. So I mean, like my bar is pretty low. Um, in terms of getting my bias in favor, it's just be nice. <laughs>
0: Hey, listen, life's about setting expectations in the right <laughs> spot and considering and considering that environment too, where this place has now become famous for a jello shot competition among all these fan bases. That's in its own way something that I think too very unique to baseball, where you've got fan bases that are gonna coexist together in an environment like that and not tear each other apart inside. Yeah, the
1: and bar. I think that's one of the separators of college baseball is like the fans don't hate each other as much. Like they still probably we hate each other a decent amount but like they'll, they're enough to be civil in public settings which is always you know you gotta appreciate that and I think you know just with the way college baseball is and the amount of work that these guys the work and time these guys put in like The fans know about it, and they all respect it. So, you know, when you're trashing another team, it's like, well, I don't really want to talk bad about a guy who I know is working hard behind the scenes. So they kind of ease it back, and they don't make it, like, as personal, I would say, as other sports.
0: No, and it clearly has worked out very well. It's created – you know march madness obviously has a very separate place in college sporting lore but i feel like for so many people omaha is almost like this religious trip where if you're a fan of the sport if you're a fan of baseball at all making that trip to the college world series is something you've got to do in your lifetime and now we've got everyone's tickets punched to the trip right now florida tcu oral roberts wake forest Virginia, LSU, Stanford, and Tennessee all going to get to try and live out what you got to live out those years ago. I know you spend a lot of time covering the sport now, so you know, without going too, too far into it, from this field, who are you most excited to watch? What's the story that you're tracking heading into the Men's College World Series that you're most excited to see? So
1: it'll be something that has to line up pretty well, but to see Wake Forest and LSU play each other will be something that will be really remarkable i think just with the amount of talent in the game it's one of those games where every couple of years i like to look back at old rosters and i'm sure you've done it too where you're like holy crap this team was the best team ever like watching where they ended up and so this is definitely like this game in itself where lsu and wayforce square up would be just like first round pick after first round pick squaring off so that that's a really good game to keep an eye out for the whole any any of these games you're going to see a lot of future big leaguers so that's always fun but what i really do enjoy watching in omaha and this is going to sound so creepy and so weird but i don't care if you don't know that about me by now hey nice to meet you that's that's my life um but i love watching the players interact with fans like i i i know i've stressed that a lot and That's something if you're going in person to keep an eye out for a little bonus piece of content, but watching at home, just watch the talent on the mound and at the plate. Like it college baseball has more talent than it has ever had historically, just because the MLB draft got cut in half COVID happened. All these guys got to be old and come back. So the talent pool is just spread out much more. And there's just so much more, a larger quantity of it as well. So any, any game you tune into, it's, it's going to be a pretty, pretty fun one to watch.
0: Who was your pick to win it all at this point?
1: I got to pick Virginia. Um, if, boy. if, if I had no allegiances to anyone and you know, I felt like I wouldn't hurt anyone's feelings by saying another team, I, I might say wake forest is a very good team as well, but you know, any of these teams, like I, I could go on and give you five reasons why each team will could have a chance to win Omaha, but it, it's just so hard to project. And that's another great thing about college baseball is the unpredictability. I'm, I'm so stoked to see Oral Roberts here because I mean, what, How, how'd they get here? Where are they from? Like, this is awesome. Like it, it's been about a 48 year drought for them, I think, or I don't. I won't put a number on it, but it's been a while. Um, Wake Forest hasn't been to Omaha since 1955, so this will be their first time dusting off the old cleats and getting out in the Omaha setting. So I there's just so much to look forward to, and I my mind races too much to narrow it down to one.
0: Well, you mentioned the, the Virginia factor of it. What's it like now for you watching as an alum? I was amazed when I stopped playing how you go through this process, and I thought, okay – I'm going to be better on the back end as a fan. I know. And I've had my chance to impact the game. I've seen how the sausage is made. And then I went back to living and dying with them every weekend. Like I was a fan as a little kid. Again, what's it like for you watching, uh, I'm sure some of your old teammates now going at this.
1: It, it's so much fun because like rooting for them is different than rooting for anyone else. Cause at the end of the day, I know deep down that they're great people. Um, but And, like, I'm sure there's great people all over the place. I just haven't, you know, spent 30 minutes naked in a locker room with them for me to vouch for them like that. So it's going to be a little bit tougher. Um, But as a fan, it's just so much fun to go back and, you know – go to the games and like people come up and be like oh you should get out there i'll I'll say the weirdest thing i got zero desire to do that like i just want to watch like i want to sit back i don't want to sweat at all i will if i have a few brews but that's all that's a whole nother story and a different kind of sweat um so it's just so much fun going out and being like involved with the fans and. I honestly, I really enjoy talking with the parents. Like it's so much fun to like shine a light on these kids and to see their parents appreciate it It makes me feel good. Cause again, sometimes I feel like a weirdo who just like sits in a room and I'm like, Hey, really good hit Kyle. (laughs) And I feel (laughs) weird, you know? So like seeing them in person and like they're normal with me, I'm like, Oh, thank God. Sorry. Sorry. If I was weird at any point.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it it does it does give you a newfound appreciation for all of the fans of the sport who have been operating like that their whole lives and think nothing of it to now finally have to operate in that role a little bit. So rest assured, everybody who sees Stephen in Omaha, he's not a weirdo. He's a good guy. He just loves watching you play baseball. And before we let you go here, and we appreciate all of this. Again, guys, check out the Shock Factor podcast. It's awesome. It's going to be a great place to live out the College World Series as it's going forward here. You did go famous in this uh, tweet, and I've never actually asked you, for your conversation about Dippin' Dots, where do you actually rank Dippin' Dots on the scale and on the varieties of ice cream that are available? Is it your favorite? Was it just the pop of conversation there? Because for anyone that missed it, someone offered you Dippin' Dots in exchange for, you know, mock jokingly throwing a game. So how much are you actually down with Dippin' Dots?
1: I mean, I love them when they're in front of me, I'll get them. Um, but when it comes to ice cream, I really like hand spun milkshakes. Um, mm. That's like my go to. I, I only recently found out you could do this because I stumbled on a TikTok where you literally just put the ice cream into a cup and just stir it with like a fork and add a little bit of milk. Have you ever tried it like that? I I didn't know you could do
0: it. I have not, and now it might be the first thing I do when we get off this interview.
1: It, it's like all I think about. Like you get a you get a glass, you put it in the freezer. Maybe wet it and put it in the freezer. That might cool it down faster. I don't know how physics work or any of that. I'm not a scientist. Put it in the freezer, let it chill for about thirty minutes. Take it out, two scoops of ice cream. I my scoops are heavy. I'm a heavy guy. A um, little bit of milk, a little bit of peanut butter, some chocolate syrup, and you just take a fork and just kind of mash it around let me tell you once you get it like once you get it down because your hand kind of warms it up as you're spinning i won't do the motion because you know the, the internet exists but you get it like one hands up here <laughs> spinning and the others here holding it and it like it is the best the best way to enjoy a milkshake um so i don't know if that's ice cream or and dots, but i don't know if you can do that with dipping dots. i feel like you probably can't but they're still good like don't get me wrong, it was just kind of what the fan had mentioned.
0: Man, I tell you what, it might be the ice cream of the future, but what you just described is absolutely the snack of my future here. <laughs> um, former pitcher, current podcaster, and ice cream scientist, <laughs> Stephen Schock. Thank you so much, sir. Enjoy Omaha, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. All right, right, ma'am.
1: Thank you for having me. Pleasure talking with you.
0: Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far
1: more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.
0: Do you feel even worse now, Dad, once you heard the ice cream discussion? I I, I
2: feel I feel awful. Yeah, I, I, I really do. I, I'm I'm sorry, I, I did have a legitimate excuse, but hear him in the beginning saying it was honor to be on the show and, and I know he sure as hell wasn't talking about you, so you know, I, I did feel bad.
0: Yeah, the cold reality we all have to face and then later drown in a hand spun milkshake. All right, Dad, time to finish this thing off the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to get you going into your day. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review, leave us that five-star rating, and let us know what you want to hear. And I've heard the cries of some of our friends in the podcast audience saying they don't get as much love anymore now that we're on DraftKingsNetwork.com and Samsung TV Plus and all this other stuff. And so I do want to say leave a review like our friend Z Holter, who's always in there, who says, being a podcast listener, I miss the love we used to get. Having a review read not once but twice was nice to hear. Love the show. Fight the algorithm. Well, make it thrice now my friend so be like z holter and go out here and support the cause there dad let's get to this um the preview the first trailer dropped yesterday for the new Netflix series quarterback that's going to follow around three quarterbacks from last season on and off the field from the NFL they chose Marcus Mariota during his Falcons run Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings and the real get here dad let's call it what it is doing most of the work as far as intrigue Patrick Mahomes the reigning Super Bowl champion and MVP so I'm fired up for this one dad mostly my NFL drug of choice is always mic'd up content and it seems like we're gonna get some really good Mahomes stuff
2: I I'm always I always enjoy the kind of off the field stuff I've always said this like about Hall of Fame speeches we all we know all the stats of the guys that are giving their Hall of Fame speech I like the road you know that that we don't know about and here you know, in watching the, the preview of it, I like the off-field stuff, you know, the stuff with the family, the training, you know, and and I joke around a lot about quarterbacks as, you know, they, they don't get hit in practice. They get to wear red jerseys. That's why they're great golfers. They're never sore. But man, they get beat up on the field. I, I get it, even though they're protected more today than they've ever been. It's still obviously a rough sport. They're getting smoked out there. They got to train. They got to prepare. And you're talking about three to one guy who was, is, who is, you know, on a path, of you know being one of the all-time greats another guy who's going to go down as one of the greatest business decision quarterbacks of all time and kirk cousins that unfortunately can't lead his team to the promised land which i also think can be unfair because there's offense defense special teams and a guy in marcus mariota who is you know is he hitting journeyman state you know of of kind of you know bopping around a little bit and can he find a home somewhere for more than a year Uh, as he tries to continue in his career. So I do like the three different kind of levels here we have of quarterback. But but give me a lot of the off-field stuff, quite honestly. And I'm with you on the mic'd up stuff. You always love to hear some good trash talk on the field.
0: Yeah, a lot of the mic'd up footage they used from Patrick Mahomes was also footage of that playoff game where he rolled his ankle and Andy Reid was trying to take him out. So behind the scenes of some of those big moments that we saw from last season. Kirk Cousins, I don't know what weird propaganda book he was reading as a child about why there's so many rules protecting the quarterback. You're not slick NFL trying to indoctrinate the youth into believing that these guys can't get touched up out there. We see what you're doing, and in this case, we're probably going to like that i marcus Mariota seeing him in this here dad just makes me wish and remember that marcus Mariota had been drafted in the nfl of now like what he was as a college quarterback was so mismanaged in tennessee when he got there in that exotic smash mouth bs they were trying to run with mike malarkey and if he had come into this league now that's embracing college concepts more what could have been for a guy that was so much fun to watch at oregon
2: yeah, it's tough because you're trying to get a second or third act out of him, but the kind of the die has been cast on him. So he'd really have to have kind of a Geno Smith breakout year, right? He'd have, first off, he'd have to be starting somewhere, and he was for a bit in Atlanta before Ritter took over. He'd have to be starting somewhere, like kind of Geno Smith, like we never expected that last year out of him. That's kind of the situation Mariota would have to be in to kind of resurrect where he was picked in in this draft in this league.
0: It's true. So we'll see what that could potentially look like for him, what that's going to look like with those guys as that gets set to kick off here uh, coming up later in the month. Dad, let's get to that. Big-time auction sale. We always love good sports money coming out. On the 25th anniversary of Michael Jordan's game-winning shot in Game 6 of the 98 Finals, the sneakers he wore earlier in the infamous flu game sold for $1.38 million. Now, Dad, does it take any heat off of it after the last dance that we found out this is actually the food poisoning game?
2: Yeah, yeah. As, as they say, you know, the flu game sounds much better than the food poisoning game. But how or about the, the backstory game. to... Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how about this? So after the game, he signed those shoes and he gave them to the uh, Utah Jazz ball boy, Preston Truman, who had gotten – you know, Jordan liked the kid because he brought him applesauce before the games. So not thinking what these shoes were going to be, he signed them and gave them to this ball boy. The ball boy hung on to them for 15 years before co-signing them to gray flannel auctions in 2013 – where they sold for $104,000. So this guy sold them or made them part of an auction, sold them for $104,000. 10 years later on the 25th anniversary, they sold for 1.38 million. You got to wonder if this ball boy's just kicking himself for not hanging on to him for another 10 years. It was made over 1200% more 10 years later on the 25th anniversary. Just incredible, still not the highest pair of, of worn shoes that have gone that still belongs to Jordan's that he wore in the second half of game two of the 1998 last dance NBA finals which sold for 2.238 million dollars so Jordan has the top twos selling worn game shoes but to me the story is the ball boy held on to him for for 15 years sold him for 104,000 10 more years he would got 1.38 million or a percentage of that obviously
0: but still a huge, huge amount of difference. I need one of those disingenuous, like bot blue check mark accounts that do athlete financial threads <laughs> to talk about how the ball boy actually took his $100,000 and invested it properly and through the glory of yeah. compound interest <laughs> is now a billionaire who owns several fast food chains. So we'll wait and That'd see the nice. for 30 <laughs> kid if it pops up. uh Dad, let's get to the third. This is. Art Ugh. now becoming life. Um, if anyone's seen Ted Lasso, infamous season two storyline, Jamie Tart leaves um, Manchester City to go on lust. Uh, I believe it's Lust Island, or uh, you know, for lust for the lust of the game, a reality dating show in that series. We've got that in real life as Irish uh, footballer uh, leaving Shelbourne Football Club to go and be a part of Love Island. uh, His name is Scott Van who was a former Welsh soccer player, announced to the team that he would be leaving. He is a 22-year-old that's going on a reality dating series. Dad, Love Island is one of the shows I haven't gotten into as much yet. It's got a very passionate and dedicated fan base. We need more American sports figures leaving for reality dating shows. This is electric content.
2: So Shelburne boss the, the uh, of of, of der Sluice, Damian Duff, his quote was, I was shocked and saddened that Scott chose a villa in Mallorca full of beautiful single women over myself, the staff, and the players. Obviously, he's saying that tongue-in-cheek. So, yeah, what, what a move. I'm going to put my professional career on hold to go hang out on Love Island. We've always said this about you, Mike, in – Connecticut you were going to be the bachelor and the traveling bachelor show you were going to be the bachelor but it was during COVID and it got canceled what about the the real bachelor show would you leave all your jobs of calling college games drafting the jobs you would have in the media uh when you were at ESPN whatever would you have left that all to go on the, to go shoot a season of the bachelor
0: No, but I should have done it when I was playing football because I'd imagine this guy is probably not the best prospect when it comes to his career touching soccer. And so he made the executive decision that there's more money to be had here. I should have seen the writing on the wall when I got cut from CFL training camp that I probably would have been better served trying to go make some of this reality TV money here. So now I think we're good. This is a pretty good stable gig. And I don't think I have the chops as a 30 some odd year old to try and go beef it out in a house full of all these hot young people trying to find love. But we wish him well in trying to recreate a Ted Lasso (laughs) storyline. We wish you well after listening to this show. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Thanks, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Boom. Money in the bank.
1: Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota,
2: we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.